Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, Volume 2, Chapter 11. Previously on Pride and Prejudice, we have met most of our characters, mainly being Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy as well as Elizabeth's whole family, her mom and dad, her bunch of sisters. Mr. Darcy was in town with Mr. Bingley and his two sisters. And there was a lot of drama there. Jane and Bingley were in love and then got broken up, which is important for this chapter. Darcy's in love with Lizzie, but Lizzie hates Darcy. It was a whole thing. Darcy convinced Jane to leave, or not Jane, convinced Bingley to leave Jane. And Jane is sort of in mourning for having lost her love, Mr. Bingley. It's a whole situation. Darcy's aunt is basically the employer of Elizabeth's cousin, who tried to marry Elizabeth, but she turned him down. So then he ended up marrying her best friend, Charlotte. So now Elizabeth is on vacation, basically visiting Charlotte and her cousin, Mr. Collins, who live next door to Lady Catherine de Bourgh who is Mr. Darcy's aunt, and Mr. Darcy is there visiting with his cousin, Colonel Fitzwilliam. And Mr. Darcy has been spending a lot of time with Lizzie and trying to pay attention to Lizzie, and Lizzie is just thinking that he's annoying and really not noticing what all this might mean or be about. She's being a little oblivious. But last chapter, she actually spent some time with Colonel Fitzwilliam, and Colonel Fitzwilliam made it very clear that he was never going to marry her. Hey, Elizabeth had been sort of flirting with him. She she at least likes him as company, but I don't think was ever particularly serious. And now we're clear that that is not an option because Colonel Fitzwilliam made it very clear that he has to marry for money. But he also is the one who tells her that Mr. Darcy very specifically separated Bingley from Jane. And she is pissed about it. She is very, very upset to find out that Mr. Darcy was the one who kind of influenced that to happen. And so she was, it's been a big thing that that was happening, that 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 split has happened, that Jane is so upset, and she's spending a lot of time after that and going into the beginning of this chapter just rereading Jane's letters and seeing how upset Jane is about everything. And... Not really knowing what to make of that, right? Like, not knowing... Well, no, she does know what to make of that. She is so upset that this happened, but she previously had thought that it was Caroline who did this, which Caroline, I think, was part of this. We'll find out. She's not blameless. But Lizzie really thought it was all Caroline, or mostly Caroline. Caroline was was starting and the head of this project. And now from what at least Colonel Fitzwilliam was telling her, no, Darcy is the one who sort of in charge of this and causing this problem and it's really upsetting her again for obvious reasons and so we go in with this extra 
speed of hatred towards Darcy that it's really ramped up. She's never liked him. She's been mad at him before. But now, like, she is at this fever pitch boiling point of I hate Darcy with the heat of a thousand suns. And this walk happened earlier in the day. It's now the evening. The rest of the Collinses and so Collins, his wife Charlotte, her sister Mariah have all gone off to Rosings to have tea or whatever for the evening. Elizabeth has stayed home ill with a headache and to burn in her rage. And that sets the scene for where we come in for this chapter, which here it is, everybody. It's the proposal. Woo, woo, woo. Very exciting. Here we go. But first, announcements, announcements, announcements. So, breaking character just a little bit before we get into this next chapter, which I'm very excited about and is very good, obviously. I want to just talk about Rational Creatures for a moment. It is the YouTube series, which is a modern adaptation of Persuasion. I can talk. Um, modern, modern adaptation on YouTube of Persuasion. Season two is finally out. Well, parts of it. It's coming out. Three episodes are out, and I think it's coming out on Tuesdays, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but look on their YouTube page. You'll be able to find out. I don't work for them, uh, so I don't need to be perfect in my marketing. But they have released, I think, the first three episodes of season two, which is getting us a little bit farther, and there's going to be more episodes coming out once a week. I have no idea how many episodes it's going to take to finish off this, the series, to finish off the book. Um, they're still relatively early, I think, where they're, they have kind of introduced all the characters, introduced most of the big plots, um, and they have introduced the idea that they're all going to go on a trip together, which I think is that trip to Lyme, essentially. So that's where we're at. We're getting that trip to Lyme being, I mean, it's not going to be Lyme. They're going to have a trip to somewhere. Um, which I think is about dead center in the book. So they're maybe about halfway done. We still have all the sort of bath, quote unquote, situation to go. So we'll see how they do that. It'll be very interesting. But I'm having a really good time about it. I really am enjoying the series. I hope to maybe do a little bit more in depth about it once it's all done. We'll see how I feel about it. And if I get any input from any of you about what you feel about that. But I'm very excited. Please go watch it. I want them to get all the ratings because it's very good and it's very exciting. So that is what we have for announcements of new media in the world. I don't know of any others that are coming out very soon or that, well, I have actually heard a rumor of, well, it's not a rumor. I've seen things that there is a, um, another version of Pride and Prejudice going to come out on Netflix called the Netherfield Girls or something like that. I think that's what it's called, um, which is also a modern adaptation. Should be interesting. I'm definitely excited to see that. So those are the things that are happening in the world that I'm aware of that are Jane Austen-esque. Very exciting. But now, back to the book itself and to chapter 11. <laughs> All right, so chapter 11, 
starts out again with Elizabeth just roiling in her broiling what I want to think I wanted to say in her anger about everything and it says as if intending to exasperate herself as much as possible against Mr. Darcy she chose for her employment the examination of all the letters which Jane had written to her since being in Kent they contained no actual complaint nor was there any revival of past occurrences or any communication of present suffering but in all and in almost every line of each there was a want of that cheerfulness which had been used to characterize her style and which proceeding from the serenity of a mind at ease with itself and kindly disposed towards everyone had been scarcely ever clouded so she is rereading these letters that jane has sent her and seeing that jane seems sort of melancholy and sad in her letters and taking that as evidence that you know she's still depressed that she's still very upset and you know, pinning that on Darcy and saying that this is all Darcy's fault and just making herself super mad at Darcy for valid reasons, in my opinion, but still making herself very mad at Darcy. So that is how she is employed, just thinking ill of Darcy and being very glad that he's about to leave town and being a little sad that Colonel Fitzwilliam is leaving, but also feeling like, yeah, you know, whatever, not that big a deal. He's made it very clear. There's nothing between us. It's all good. They can both leave. It's fine. And as she's sitting there wallowing in her anger, what should happen? But she hears the doorbell. Bum, bum, bum. The doorbell rings. And she thinks, well, maybe Colonel Fitzwilliam is coming to see me because he's come late at night before. It's, it could happen. But no, it's not Colonel Fitzwilliam. Guess who it is? It's Mr. Darcy who has shown up and it says her spirits were very differently affected than if it had been Colonel Fitzwilliam, I assume it says to her utter amazement, she saw Mr. Darcy walk into the room and he also seems not himself. It says in a hurried manner, he immediately began to an inquiry about her health, imputing his visit to a wish of hearing that she were better. So he has to have an excuse for why he's there, and that's it. Um, she answered him with cold civility. He has picked, he has the worst timing in the history of the world. She is so upset with him right now, just overly upset specifically right now. Like, she's never a big fan of his, but right now she is overly just upset with him. And he walks in. So he sits down for a few minutes. A few moments, it says, and then getting up, walked about the room. Elizabeth was surprised, but said not a word. And after a silence of several minutes, he came towards her in an agitated manner and thus began. So before I get into what he thus began. So picture this. Okay, she's reading these letters. She's making herself, working herself more and more. She's mad. She's super mad. Then he suddenly shows up out of the blue into her, you know, mass of anger. And he's acting super weird. He asks, he has some little small talk, but it's weird small talk. He's obviously distracted, like very acting very strangely. And then. <sighs> sorry. And then he is acting. So he's acting all weird. And then he, you know, sits down, stands up, walks around the room. And then he suddenly, out of the blue, after a couple of minutes of just being silent in the room with her, walks up to her in a very agitated manner. Like, I, I am 
I imagine him like walking up like she thinks he's angry or something like right he's just very strange it says in an agitated manner and he says in vain have I struggled it will not do my feelings will not be repressed you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you Elizabeth's astonishment was beyond expression can you imagine oh my gosh so Lizzie is just completely jaw to the ground, shocked that this has happened. She did not see this coming. As we've been talking about for the last few chapters, she has been very oblivious about a lot of things coming up. Other people have sort of noticed his attention to her, I think, but she has not noticed it. And so for her, it's very, very sudden, like suddenly out of the blue, this man she hates comes up with you must allow me to tell you how ardently i admire and love you she is completely astonished she stares she colored she doubted and was silent and this he considered sufficient encouragement and so he keeps going he keeps talking and he said and the avowal of all that he felt and had long felt for her immediately followed he spoke well but there were feelings besides those of the heart to be detailed and he was not more eloquent on the subject of tenderness than of pride. So here's another thing. So he keeps going. He's thinking that her silence is somehow encouragement. Second man to do this to her, by the way, because Collins did the same thing when he proposed. So her second bad proposal, they have similar vibes of, you know, not really reading the room very well. Neither of them do. But I think it's very interesting, this line here, that he is speaking well. He is, so I'm taking that to mean he has good grammar, good elocution, good pronunciation. I don't know. But he's speaking well. But a lot of it is about. So he's telling her about these feelings, which should be very romantic and nice, right? But he's also talking about his pride and the reasons that it took him so long to propose to her so he's spending equal time on both of those things which is really not appropriate in a marriage proposal he's not doing so well so he talks about her being an inferior her her inferiority of its being a degradation for him to marry her of the family obstacles which judgment had always opposed to inclination. And these things were dwelt on with a warmth which seemed due to the consequence he was wounding, but was very unlikely to recommend his suit. So he is staying on these things with just as much warmth as his feelings for her. Again, a 50-50 split, which is not appropriate. And not making her happy, for very obvious reasons, it's not helping his case, basically. So, it says here that even though she really dislikes him, she understands that it's a compliment for him to propose, be proposing to her. Um, especially such an important man. She's not oblivious to that she's oblivious to a lot of things but not to the idea that this very wealthy important man is proposing to her and that is a big compliment to her um and she never really wants to marry him it says her intentions did not vary for an instant she 
she was at first sorry for the pain he was to receive. Until he starts talking about all these things, and she was roused to resentment by his subsequent language, and she lost all compassion in anger. So I feel like this is where we get that variation. So this is very, I'm kind of comparing it to the other proposal scene with Mr. Collins, where she was very polite to him, very nice through the whole thing. Um, until the very end when he just would not take no for an answer and she really had to be like, no, for realsies. I'm saying no. Goodbye. But until that happened, she was very polite. And even afterwards, she was not being rude to him at all. And that is how Lizzie planned to do this when she initially got over the shock of, oh my goodness, he's actually proposing. She was going to be polite and just be give him a plate. No, thank you. But then he went off about how awful her family was and how it was a degradation. That's such a word to choose at a time like this for him to marry her. And that was enough. She was done. So that made her very, very upset again for very obvious reasons. And so now she's angry. And the other thing that seems to make her angry is that he speaks of being anxious for his, her response and, you know, hoping that she'll, you know, say the answer that he wants and be rewarded by the acceptance of her hand and blah, 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 blah. It says he spoke of apprehension and anxiety, but his countenance expressed real security, which only makes her even angrier that he seems so sure she's going to say yes. He is very sure of himself. And so I just have to read you. It's an entire paragraph of what her answer is because it's perfect. She says, In such cases as this, it is, I believe, the established mode to express a sense of obligation for the sentiments avowed. However, unequally, they may be returned. It is natural that obligation should be felt. And if I could feel gratitude, I would now thank you. But I cannot. I have never desired your good opinion, and you have certainly bestowed it most unwillingly. I am sorry to have occasioned pain to anyone. It has been most unconsciously done, however, and I hope will be of short duration. The feelings which you tell me have long prevented the acknowledgement of your regard can have little difficulty in overcoming it after this explanation. Fire. That was such a burn. Oh my goodness. I love it. It's so good. Such a great line. Just such a way to turn him down. And I always see Jennifer Ely from the 1995 version. I think she does that line pretty much verbatim. And it's, it's perfect. It's gold. I love it. And Mr. Darcy is leaning against the mantelpiece with no less resentment than surprise. So he shocked her by showing up. And now she has returned the favor and completely shocked him by saying no. So he is... Very upset that she said no, but also just completely shocked. It had never occurred to him, I don't think, that, that, that she would dare to say no. Or really that anyone he dared, he deigned to propose to would say no. Why would anyone say no to him, the great and wonderful Mr. Darcy? So, he struggles to, like, remain composed and not, you know, give away on his face how upset he is by her answer. So he's struggling for the appearance of composure, right? He's trying to, like, get himself together. 
and with forced calmness he says and this is all the reply which i am to have the honour of expecting i might perhaps wish to be informed why with so little endeavour at civility i am thus rejected but it is of small importance so he's trying to save face with that line saying that she's not being even endeavouring to be civil to him but it's not all that important why she's not being civil because she's not important anymore because she said no that's how i'm reading it anymore anyway but she comes back with i might as well inquire why was so evident to disdain of offending and insulting me you chose to tell me that you liked me against your will against your reason and even against your character was not this some excuse for incivility if i was incivil which true again he did not do a good job with this whole romantic proposal thing so i'm on her side there too but i have other provocations you know i have had not my own feelings decide had not my own feelings decided against you had they been indifferent or had they even been favorable do you think that any consideration would tempt me to accept the man who has been the means of ruining perhaps forever the happiness of a most beloved sister and here's where the jane thing comes up because she is extra mad at him from jump because of this jane situation and he is walking into a minefield he doesn't really know exists because he doesn't know that colonel fitzwilliam told her that he doesn't know that she knows Woo! so when she says this mr darcy changed color but the emotion was short and he listened without attempting to interrupt her while she continued so he changed color maybe got red in embarrassment or anger or something i'm not sure but she continues i have every reason in the world to think ill of you no motive can excuse the unjust and ungenerous part you acted there you dare not you cannot deny that you have been the principal if not the only means of dividing them from each other of exposing one to the centre of the world for caprice and instability and the other to its derision for disappointed hopes and involving them both in misery of the acutest kind she paused and she noticed that he is with no slight indignation that he was listening with an air of pr which proved him wholly unmoved by any feelings of remorse he even looked at her with a smile of affected incredulity so he is listening to all this and doesn't seem to be remorseful to her in fact seems to think that this is ridiculous that she's saying these things to him now part of it i think is obviously a friend we've already heard or found that he's trying to keep himself composed and not show emotions to her i do think he is genuinely hurt and upset by this and he's trying to save face as much as he possibly can so that's part of it but also i think as we'll see when he sends the letter he genuinely is not i guess remorseful or embarrassed by what he did with the bingley and jane situation he still thinks he's right so he's not going to apologize for that when he thinks he's right um, and also I think part of that is that the center of the world for caprice and instability, that would be against Bingley. And I think that he's going to laugh at that and like, nobody thinks that about Bingley. He's fine. It's not going to be a problem for Bingley. And I think he's right. It's not going to be a problem for Bingley. If, if Bingley was not in love with Jane, there would be no social repercussions for Bingley for this sort of incident. Um, yes, the town thought he was going to propose to her, 
but he didn't it wasn't that big a deal and especially since they're London nobodies and Bingley's going to move in circles of people who don't know them it won't matter to Bingley whatsoever um, but then the the other to its derision for disappointed hopes now that is a bigger problem now I do not think that Darcy sees it that way because he sees how it's going to be so easy for Bingley and I think he just kind of assumes that the same would hold true for Jane right that it won't be a problem but Jane is in a much smaller town and doesn't really have any other prospects and it was a pretty public almost courtship so I think Jane is looking at much I don't know um stronger problems from this as we've already seen nothing that would like ruin her reputation or anything or cause her for to not be able to marry somebody else but she is gonna she does face much stronger I think social issues than Bingley would but Darcy does not see this as being an issue whatsoever and she's mad at the way he's not apologizing or even showing that he he has any regret over what he's done so she asks if he can deny what he's done it and he says I have no wish of denying that I did everything in my power to separate my friend from your sister or that I rejoice in my success which you can tell he is now just plain out angry because that is a really dumb thing to say to the girl that you want to marry you they're just full out having an having an argument and a fight now he says towards him I have been kinder than towards myself which is again a very interesting line because he's saying here that separating Bingley and Jane he still thinks was the right thing to do and it's going to keep Bingley in a better place than where he Mr. Darcy himself will be in marrying Elizabeth he say, he still is putting it as Bingley being in a better position because of what he did, even then he himself will be because of what he's trying to do with Lizzie. Um, it says, and Lizzie did not miss the meaning of what he just said about how he's been kinder to Bingley than to himself. And sort of the only regret he has now is, is, Proposing to Elizabeth, not in separating Jane and Bingley. And so that is not something to likely to conciliate her. So not something that's going to make her feel any better. And now she's just on a roll now. So the next thing she brings up is that this is not the whole Jane situation. That's not the reason that she disliked him to start. She says that long before it had taken place, my opinion of you was decided. Your character was unfolded in the recital, which I received many months ago from Mr. Wickham. On this subject, what can you have to say? In what imaginary act of friendship can you here defend yourself? Or under what misrepresentation can you here impose upon others? Oh, the sharpness of Lizzie's tongue. But she's already like, oh yeah, what excuses do you have for this one, huh? And that's the thing. He didn't really make excuses excuses about the Jane and Bingley situation. He just said, yeah, I did that. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> um, so I think it's a little odd that she's like, and what sort of excuses do you have now for this situation, huh? Because he didn't have any, he hasn't had any excuses for anything yet. The things that she's yelled at him, he hasn't made excuses. So I think that's a little interesting that she's kind of acting like he has when he has not. Um... 
But it definitely shows you what side she's on, which, you know, we know what side she's on. And this time we're seeing that Darcy is getting mad. So when she was talking about Jane, he's still just holding his composure, kind of smiling at her, being laughing at her. But now he says, you take an eager interest in that gentleman's concerns. And he says this in a less tranquil tone and with a heightened color. So he's getting mad now. The, the, Wickham, the Jane and Bingley stuff, he was laughing off. But the Wickham stuff, he is not. He is getting mad. And she says, you t-, when he asks, you take an eager interest in the gentleman's concerns, she replies with, who that knows what his misfortunes have been can help feeling an interest in him. His misfortunes, repeated Darcy contemptuously. Yes, his misfortunes have been great indeed. So he's being, in my reading of this at least, sarcastic. Like, yeah, his misfortunes. Okay. And she is still angry and going on with it. Yes, you have reduced him to his present state of poverty. Poverty. Comparative poverty. You have withheld the advantages which you must know to have been designed for him. You have deprived him. You have deprived the best years of his life of that independence which was no less his due than his desert. You have done all this, and yet you can treat the mention of his misfortunes with contempt and ridicule. And this, cried Darcy as he walked with quick steps across the room, is your opinion of me. This is the estimation in which you hold me. I thank you for explaining it so fully. My faults, according to this calculation, are heavy indeed. But perhaps, added he, stopping in his walk and turning towards her, these offences might have been overlooked had not your pride been hurt by my honest confession of the scruples that had long prevented my forming any serious design. These bitter accusations might have been suppressed had I with greater policy concealed my struggles and flattered you into the belief of my being impelled by unqualified, unalloyed inclination, by reason, by reflection, by everything. But disguise of every sort is my abhorrence, nor am I ashamed of the feelings I related. They were natural and just. Could you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority of your connections, to congratulate myself on the hope of relations whose condition in life is so decidedly beneath my own? Oh, wow. Darcy has the bite back. He is getting into the fight, and he has some great zingers here. So, Elizabeth accuses him of the Wickham situation of basically taking the money or the living that Wickham was deserved and not giving it to him. And so Wickham does not have the money he should have. That's basically the accusation. And Darcy comes back with, well, thank you so much for explaining what you actually think of me. But, you know, I think you might, you might've overlooked all of these. He's basically saying these things are just kind of trumped up charges the whole Jane and Wickham things would not have been a problem for you if I had made a better proposal. Like, you're really just mad at me because of what I said about your family. These other things are just kind of trumped up charges after the fact to make you for things to say. But really, your problem with me is just about the way that I proposed. Um, but I'm not ashamed of what I said. What I said was correct. Your family is worse than mine. Blah, blah, blah. And she comes back with another line that just kills Darcy, I think. She says, you are mistaken, Mr. Darcy. If you suppose that the mode of your declaration affected me in any other way, 
than as it spared me the concern which I might have felt in refusing you had you behaved in a more gentlemanlike manner. She saw him start at this, but he said nothing, and she continued. You could not have made me the offer of your hand in any possible way that would have tempted me to accept it. Again, his astonishment was obvious, and he looked at her with an expression of mingled incredul incredulity and mortification. She went on. From the very beginning, the f from the first moment, I may almost say, of my acquaintance with you, your manners impressing me with the fullest belief of your arrogance, your conceit, and your selfish disdain of the feelings of others, were such as to form that groundwork of disapprobation on which succeeding events have built so immovable dis a dislike, and I had not known you a month before I felt that you were the last man in the world whom I could ever be prevailed on to marry." Wow, she might as well just slap him at that point. So, recapping. He went off basically saying, okay, this Jane and Wickham thing, yes, you hate me for that, whatever. But really, admit it, you're only mad because of what I said about your family. You think that that is so bad, but I don't think what I said was wrong. I stand by it. It was true. You know, whatever. And she's like, no. I... Would not have said yes no matter how you did it, but uh, the way you proposed was crap. But even if you had proposed really well, I wouldn't have said yes to you because I really don't like you and I haven't liked you from the beginning. The first time I met you, I thought you were awful. And I have, you know, I had not known you a month before I felt that you were the last man in the world whom I could ever be prevailed upon to marry. So he's like oh come on you would marry me except for what i just did what i said there you're just mad about that and she's like no that was rude that was awful but all that did was make me less sorry for saying no to you because i was gonna say no either way and all that did was prevent me from feeling bad about it and that astonishes him he is shocked by that he this is the only part of the conversation that he really seems to be taking in is that Lizzie has not did not like him has not liked him from the start that is news to him and this is what this is the thing that really seems to like break him and be upsetting the Jane thing he laughed off the Wickham thing just made him angry but he had righteous indignation for that but this whole you didn't act like a gentleman and I haven't liked you from the beginning because you're not like you're not a person I like spending time with is the part that's really upsetting to him and so that's finally broken him. He's done with this conversation now. He says, You have said quite enough, madam. I perfectly comprehend your feelings and have now only to be ashamed of what my own have been. Forgive me for having taken up so much of your time and accept my best wishes for your health and happiness. And with these words, he hastily left the room and Elizabeth heard him the next moment open the front door and quit the house. So that, that last line about how you are the last man in the world I could ever be prevailed upon to marry was enough. He's done now. He is retreating in shambles. He's running away. And who can blame him at this point? He, 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 there's no reason to stay. They were just fighting. Though I think it's a great conversation. Some beautiful, wonderful lines in this. So there's only two two paragraphs left now that he's now that he's gone and it's all about lizzie having the tumult of her mind um she did not know how to support herself and from actual weakness sat down and cried for half an hour so she is in an, an emotional whirlwind after this com conversation she 
is screaming at him. She's having this argument with him. But as soon as he leaves, she just kind of falls and starts sobbing. Just like an emotional release is how I see that. Like she just doesn't even know. She was already so angry and then he shows up and then they have this really weird interaction. And then they have this argument and then he storms out and then she just is in emotional overload and starts bawling. Um, so she cries for half an hour. She's completely astonished. And now she's actually have like has the emotional bandwidth and like the time to think back, okay, what just happened? Because I think she almost blacked out in anger through that whole conversation. Because now she's sitting there and thinking, oh my gosh, he just asked me to marry him. That just happened. Like she's just kind of in shock like, Oh my goodness, that just actually for reals happened. And that he said he's been in love with me for months and I didn't see that that was happening. Um, and that it was, you know, she's like incredible and gratifying that she inspired such feelings in him. But also, you know, unpardonable that he acknowledged what he did to Jane and didn't have anything to justify it and what he did to Wickham and cruelty and didn't have, didn't try to deny anything there. Um, so that soon overcame the pity, which the consideration of his attachment had a mo for a moment excited. So she already for a moment is like, Oh my God, he loves me. <gasps> wow. But no, 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 don't think like that. Don't think about that because of what he did to Jane, because of what he did to Wickham, he's awful. We're still on the train of him being awful. Okay, cool. Moving on. And so she continues just kind of ruminating on this and thinking about it until the sound of Lady Catherine's carriage made her feel how unequal she was to, to encounter Charlotte's observation. Because obviously Charlotte's the only one who's going to notice anything's going on with her because otherwise there's Mr. Collins and Mariah and they are both rather unobservant. And so she doesn't want to talk to Charlotte about this situation. She doesn't want Charlotte to catch her right now. And so she hurries away to her room. And that is the end of the chapter. It's all this one conversation, but what a conversation it is. Oh my God, I love this chapter. I love this conversation. I basically read the whole thing to you, so you're welcome. I don't know. Um, but it's so good. And this fight is, you know, the turning point in their relationship, the turning point in the book, right? Because this whole thing so far, Elizabeth has been obsessed with this man, but hating him. And so here she finally finds out what she didn't know, but what we as the readers have known since basically the beginning of the book, that Darcy's into her, that Darcy is really attracted to her and really likes her. And she was completely unaware, but now she's figured it out finally. And she's just shocked and emotionally overwrought, but she's holding to her principles that she's not going to marry a man she doesn't love and she doesn't love Darcy. That's for darn sure. So she's sticking to it. And I do have some respect for that. I think that's good. I don't think with the way that he proposed that she should have said yes, but I think it's interesting that he thought she would shows how socially inept he is that he did not read the room and thought that she'd be fine and would still agree to marry him after what he just said. So that all happened and we let it happen. Um, 
So that all happens. And then next chapter is where she's going to get the letter. She's finally going to get the letter and going to get to have this information and find out the truth about the Wickham situation and everything. It's a very long letter that I'll probably just read the whole thing, even though it's pages and pages, because it's just so good. And that's basically the whole next chapter is the letter. It's basically her walking out, meeting Mr. Darcy unexpectedly, and getting the letter. So that's the next chapter. We're going to get into hashtag the letter. And it's going to be fantastic. I'm very excited about it. I love this part of the book. It's so good. <sighs> yeah, this conversation is amazing. Love it so much. Anyway, that is the end of this. I'll be back next time with chapter 12, where we'll get to read the letter. Yay! See you then. Bye! Bye! <laughs>